0: Nigga, 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 Hello, Nickelodeon fans, and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History. My name is Captain Eric, and we are going to be covering every Nickelodeon show that either started or ended between the time of September 12th and September 18th. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to talk about the loss of comedian Norm MacDonald. Uh, Norm did appear on a Nickelodeon show, a little show you might know, called The Fairly Odd Parents, in which he played Norm the Genie, another villain of Timmy Turner, Cosmo, and Wanda. I, I always liked how the Fairly Parents took pretty much every other magical creature that we knew of other than fairies and kind of made them bums in their universe. They all aspired to be fairies. The Pixies wanted to be fairies, and here was Norm the Genie, who aspired to be a fairy. Uh, Perfectly voiced by Norm MacDonald, Norm the Genie appeared in two episodes, uh, voiced by Norm, and then appeared a third time in the special Fairly Idle, voiced by a different actor. Um, Most of the public know of Norm MacDonald because of his time on Saturday Night Live in the 90s, and although his body of work he left behind on that show is worth remembering, most will call Norm McDonald a comedy legend and comedy royalty because of the amount of work he left behind even outside of Saturday Night Live. His various uh, live stand-up specials, his amount of time he spent on video podcasting, interviewing other comedians, and just the amount of times he's appeared on Conan and other late-night shows, there is a mountain of Norm MacDonald content that I am honestly blessed to have bestowed to me, thanks to the internet, to have that ability to, to look this stuff up. Uh, it's incredible. Um, obviously, uh, I will say that a lot of, of Norm's uh, humor and stand-up are, are obviously not going to be uh, family-friendly, but, you know, we, we're all going to grow up at some point, and I think if you ever find yourself in a moment where you would like to look into to stand up comedy um and and laugh a little bit at, at even some mature jokes I, if most people asked me who I would point them to Norm Macdonald would be in the top 3 names that I would I would tell somebody to look up and and to just laugh uh he was a guy whose whose wit and and delivery on jokes was unbeknownst to the world until this man showed up nobody had that kind of timing that kind of style he was truly the word one of a kind is thrown around a lot the term one of a kind and you know usually in most cases it applies but here it almost feels like an understatement when it comes to norm just in every aspect he was one of a kind just such a unique voice, and and I wish he he did more voice work with Nickelodeon. Um, that that one appearance, those two appearances on *Fairly Odd Parents*, are memorable in my opinion, and and those came on at a time before I even got to appreciate Norm beyond his just. Slight appearances in the background of Adam Sandler movies, which is kind of how I knew him growing up. Um, But but then when I started getting to learn more about him and see more of his work, uh, it obviously grew past that appearance on The Fairly Odd Parents. But his voice was just—it stuck in the back of my head. It was just that unique. Uh, He would have been perfect to voice characters on Rocco's Modern Life and Hey Arnold and Rugrats and I don't know. Just when you when you hear his voice, it's perfect. For cartoons, as it is perfect for the stage. Unfortunately, there won't ever be anyone like Norm MacDonald amongst us. But on the other side of that coin, thank goodness there was a Norm MacDonald among us. This week in Nickelodeon history, in fact, we are starting with the premiere of NFL Slime Time. Uh, Last year, the NFL hosted their wildcard game uh, simulcast, not only, I believe, on the CBS, but also on Nickelodeon, where they had some pretty much pre-made Nickelodeon effects to go on. They had a separate commentary team so that the Nickelodeon audience could watch football through a different lens it's the same exact game going on but different things happening on the screen and it was such a success that we are now having a weekly show called nfl slime time throughout the nfl season it is hosted by nate burleson dylan gilmer who i is uh uh, from tyler perry's young dylan and dylan schefter who is the daughter of ESPN NFL reporter Adam Schefter. That is super cool that the NFL reporter's daughter gets to actually report in the NFL for Nickelodeon. That is incredible. And and this could lead to something that is just a yearly part of Nickelodeon programming. Every Wednesday night through the NFL season, they have NFL slime time. I am all for it. I think it's a wonderful idea. I think it's a nice vehicle for kids to be able to watch sports in a family-friendly environment and and get into the sport of football they could you know eventually become really big fans of, of some of their favorite teams I think it's a fantastic idea and I and I hope it's a success for for Nickelodeon five years ago on September 12th 2016 we had the finale of Nickelodeon's Nicktoon Breadwinners created by Stephen Borst and Gary Doodles Duraffale. the show ran for two seasons of 40 episodes Six years ago, on September 12th, 2015, we had the premiere of Game Shakers, another show created by Dan Schneider. It saw the return of Cal Mitchell to Nickelodeon screens and ran for three seasons of 61 episodes. Seven years ago, on September 13th, 2014, we had the premiere of Nickelodeon's Nicky, Ricky, Dicky, and Don. One of the most frustratingly named titles in television history, uh, but the show was created by Matt Fleckstein, and, the sh- and it ran for four seasons of 82 episodes. Very popular show here. Uh, Nikki, Ricky, Dicky, and Don. Uh, that's, that's just crazy. I, that is a crazy name. I wonder how many times people just messed up the first three names in the order. They're saying you can't mess up where Don is located in that uh in that quartet there i mean don is always going to come in that last part but i wonder how many people mess up the the beginning 12 years ago on september twelfth, two 2009 we had the premiere of the troupe on nickelodeon created by max burnett greg coolidge and chris morgan the show ran for two seasons of 40 episodes 13 years ago on September 15th, 2008, we saw the premiere of My Family's Got Guts, the revival of guts. And I will always say guts like that on this show, respect to the Nickelodeon brand. For those not familiar with the original Nickelodeon guts, the show hosted by Mike O'Malley was a competition that took young athletes and competed them in extreme versions of athletic events, with the final event being a race up an artificial mountain known as the Agro Crag. The Agro Crag is essentially this show's Olmec um, it's, it's, it's icon. It's, it's honestly, it's like one of those, you know, pieces of Nickelodeon media. That's just, we don't have a location like that. We don't have a mountain. Here we are, the Nickelodeon mountain, the aggro crag, um, a, a stunning little set piece here that got to return in this family version that only ran for two seasons of 22 episodes. And here's the kicker. Apparently the second season just didn't even air in the United States at all. So I don't know if if the ratings for this show were just that terrible, but were they that? I mean, it's a half hour program. How like it's one of those weird timing situations that maybe another show that could air in that slot just is going to get a bigger audience, even if it's a rerun, than a new show will. But that's crazy. Uh, It did air in other countries, so uh, this one not being presented by Mike O'Malley though, Ben Lyons came in for this iteration. 13 years ago on September 13th, 2008, we saw the finale of LT Grey, The Adventures of Manny Rivera, created by Jorge R. Gutierrez and Sandra Equeja, and ran for one season of 26 episodes. The show follows the adventures of Manny Rivera, a young boy who also has a superhero alter ego known as El Tigre. He is the son of the famous superhero White Pantera and the grandson of the supervillain Puma Loco. And they present the show as uh, as a... Manny being kind of pulled in different directions by his family. He, of course, wants to be a great hero like his father, uh, but he also wants to impress his grandfather, who is a really cool supervillain. And they they play that dynamic up uh, not only in the intro of the show, uh, but throughout the show that you kind of don't know where Manny may head as he grows up. Is he going to be a perfectly, you know, white knighted, superhero of the world or is he is he going to be a little bit more dangerous like his grandfather and play up a little bit of the villainy he likes to have fun here and there um, it, it to me is a very underrated show and I think it came out at a perfect time as Nickelodeon was kind of winding down Danny Phantom here's one superhero out the door and comes a new superhero and and unfortunately didn't light up the airwaves the same way that Danny Phantom did uh, but I, I think the quality of the show still stands to this day So uh, if you have a Paramount Plus subscription, definitely check out Lt Gray if you get the chance. 14 years ago on September 16th, 2007, we saw the finale of Drake and Josh. Created by Dan Schneider, the show ran for four seasons of 56 episodes. To me, this is Dan Schneider's masterpiece of a show. Um, There are shows after this that I do think are better, but and Hear Me Out, he can't get to those shows without Drake and Josh. It kind of sets the importance up of Drake and Josh, uh, because he doesn't get to iCarly without working with Miranda Cosgrove here on Drake and Josh. Um, And, you know, in that fact, I guess you could cement even... The Amanda show is more important because he got to work with Jake and Josh, which then led to working with Miranda Cosgrove. But then one could argue that all that just seemingly is his most important show that he's worked on. And I really wouldn't argue against that. But in terms of the sitcom formula, this to me is is just his masterpiece. Drake and Josh finished its second run with its second TV movie, Really Big Shrimp, in 2007. They did come back for one more television movie the following year with Merry Christmas, Drake and Josh, after realizing they never really made a Christmas episode and it was kind of a good excuse to get back together at least one more time. 16 years ago on September twelfth, two 2005, we had the premiere of Jack's Big Music Show on Nickelodeon and Noggin. Uh, Noggin, of course, the uh, spinoff channel of Nickelodeon, airs all of their preschool stuff throughout the day and then some of their teenage-oriented programming at night when the Noggin turns into the N, pretty much when kids go to bed or when they think they do. I don't think most kids follow the same sleep schedule. Uh, Jack's Big Music Show was an original property on Noggin, but did uh, premiere on Nickelodeon at the same time, pretty much to help promote Noggin as a channel. Uh, I watched a lot of Jack's Big Music Show when it was on because my brother, who was one when that show premiered, was watching a lot of Noggin at the time, so therefore I watched a lot of Noggin at the time as well. Jack's Big Music Show was a puppet show that presented itself through music and showed the wonders of music and brought on artists to play with the characters. And it was actually a really sweet show Uh, out of Noggin's original content. This was the best one I ever saw that I can remember. So uh, I always have a soft spot in my heart for Jack's big music show. I will always stop to talk about it uh, because of this. It ran for two seasons, 26 episodes, and was created by Adam and David Rudman and Todd Harner. 17 years ago, on September 12th, 2004, we had the premiere of Unfabulous on Nickelodeon. Starring Emma Roberts, the show was created by Sue Rose and ran for three seasons of 41 episodes. And on the same day, we had the premiere of Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, created by Scott Fellows. That show ran for three seasons of 54 episodes. Uh, out of these two shows, I remember this day I watched both premieres. Uh, Ned I had a little bit more exposure to because for those that don't remember, Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide I started out as these small intermittent shorts in between commercials which then eventually led itself to a full-time show. In the same vein of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, Unfabulous, although completely original, just leaned towards more of the teenage girl audience and at the time when it was out I mean I was 13 almost 14 I I watched the first episode it didn't really catch me wasn't a bad show by any means uh but but I liked Emma Roberts I saw her as a future star like I don't know if I had that kind of ability as a kid to see stars on Nickelodeon and Disney and know like, oh yeah, that person will definitely be in movies. But she was someone that I saw doing some pretty cool things down the road. And and I can say right now, I'm not wrong. Check out some of Emma Roberts' other work if you're an Unfabulous fan. But I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you probably know of Emma Roberts from other properties before Unfabulous. So if you're a fan of Emma Roberts, go and check out Unfabulous. Uh, As far as Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, it's one of the best live-action Nickelodeon shows I can think of. Uh, It's a... It's just... It's in the same sense, actually, of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, because when I talk about The Adventures of Pete and Pete, I usually say it's the most Nickelodeon live-action show there is. It's kind of a cartoon. In the same sense, Ned's Declassified is, is in that same kind of fold, that formula. It... Almost writes itself like a cartoon, but just happens to be live action. The writing, the characters, it it just it's it's weird. It's hard to explain when you can watch a show like that, but then you watch any other kind of sitcom on, on Nick. Um, maybe it's because it's obviously a single camera show instead of being a, a three camera sitcom like you would see on iCarly, Drake and Josh. Uh, and it's more follows that that kind of Zoe 101, just like single camera feel. Maybe it has something to do with that and just the way they're able to edit it compared to how they edit other sitcoms. But uh, I would Absolutely give Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide a watch through completely. Unfabulous. I haven't watched the whole show. Uh, It still has its fans. They're loud and clear to this day. So uh, both shows, I believe, are, are on Paramount Plus right now. So definitely check those out. 18 years ago, on September 13th, 2003, we saw the premiere of Romeo, created by Fercaswell Hyman, Thomas W. Lynch, and Percy Miller, or better known as Master P. The show ran for three seasons and 53 episodes, and actually stars Master P's son, Romeo or known as little Romeo of the time was a uh, a charted on the Billboard 200s and following in his father's footsteps of eventually this this vehicle was was made to give Romeo a chance to kind of appeal to a younger audience I think it was a very smart move at the time I wasn't a fan of the show myself uh, but as an adult looking back I mean it's incredibly smart to take Uh, a young kid who's trying to make it in the music industry and give him a show like this. Uh, And and it honestly makes me feel a little bit better to have his father right there with him as a creator, uh, I'm sure as a producer of the show, and, and there's just no way that anybody else is going to be able to you know, control his son in that aspect and be able to make things go or So, uh, Hey, I'm behind any vehicles like this, that, that can happen the same way that Hannah Montana did Disney and her father being on the, on the set. If, if more child actors, parents could be a part of their productions, I, I would be a little bit more comfortable. So, uh, so kudos to master P for, uh, for being a part of that. 23 years ago, on September 15th, 1998, we had the premiere of Animorphs, created by K.A. Applegate, or uh, Catherine Applegate, who is actually the creator of the book series. The show ran for two seasons of 26 episodes. Uh, I definitely remember reading more of Animorphs than I remember watching the show. Uh, if you've seen those covers of kids transforming into animals and uh, if you look it up, I believe it was a p- computer program at the time that you would you would put in one image of the animal, you'd put in the end image and you put in the other image of the kid and it would create like the five steps to morph that kid and that would be all the covers. I mean, they were incredible covers to make you want to read into the books. Uh, I don't remember really much of what I read at that time, but uh, I, I can tell you I just I read more at, of Animorphs than I did watch the show, which is crazy because I, I was not a reader. It was just something I, I guess I did in school when there was designated reading times. I would just, I would go to Animorphs. 28 years ago on September 18th, 1993, we had the premiere of Rocco's Modern Life. Created by Joe Murray, the show ran for four seasons and 52 episodes. Uh, if you are a longtime listener of mine, you should—you could probably know where this show kind of ends up in my ranking. Um, to me, it's its the funniest Nicktoon that has ever existed. Um, It it stands the test of time, it's a show that you can go back and watch even from the first episode all the way to the end, and it's still as funny and poignant as it was in the 90s as it is almost 30 years later, Uh, and, and so in fact... That it was one of those shows that were picked when Brian Robbins wanted to go back into the catalog of Nickelodeon to see what shows they can kind of bring back for these one off revivals. Rocco's Modern Life was one of those shows picked to go back, and eventually we saw the release of Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling on August. 9th 2019, on Netflix. Um, not, not my favorite idea in the world. Uh, although before the advent of Paramount Plus being a really big thing for Viacom, uh, Nickelodeon and Netflix had signed on to a multi-year partnership that was going to include series like Glitch Techs and other movies down the road. So hey, uh, here we go. Here's another movie we can add to that list. Uh, I wish that Rocco had a, a big kind of promotional. Um, Push the way that Hey Arnold the Jungle movie did, but I guess they weren't as happy with the ratings for Hey Arnold the Jungle movie, which is kind of why both Invader Zim and Rocco were kind of gifted to Netflix, uh, and then eventually the Loud House movie. Uh, I don't know the status of these films. Are they just Netflix owned now? Like Nickelodeon will just never have access to these movies um, if they ever want to make, like, new sets for these shows. I don't know how that works, but it, it kind of, it's a weird feeling to have these series kind of splintered, uh, especially with these different streaming services, uh, to have Rocco's Modern Life in its entirety on Paramount Plus and then have its revival movie as a Netflix exclusive. I don't know. Hey, just me. One of the, the hallmarks of Rocco's Modern Life these days was its use of, Of adult innuendo it's it's clever disguising of adult jokes within a kid show Uh, for that i i think it's just one of the the best pieces of nickelodeon media i mean that is impressive the level of jokes that there are jokes now almost 30 years later that um Went completely over my head for years that will still get me. I'm not saying that it like there was a joke of an episode, I I, can't, I don't remember it right now, this moment, but there was an episode I was playing on the background last week when I was getting some editing done. And there was a joke that I caught that I didn't catch at any other point. And I may have just not watched that specific episode in years, but I went back and I rewatched it and it was so funny. And I was like, wow, I can't believe it. Like thir- almost 30 years later, this show is still gonna find new ways to make me laugh. The writing is so good, um, and and think about this: we were talking about a little bit earlier of uh, with Drake and Josh, how you can kind of credit the yeah, obviously credit that show to eventually getting to iCarly and and that massive success for Nickelodeon. In the same vein, you might not get to SpongeBob SquarePants without Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, a lot of what SpongeBob was comes from this crew. Working on Rocco's Modern Life. Steven Hillenberg had a great presence on Rocco's Modern Life. And then, of course, we have voice actors Tom Kenny and Mr. Lawrence, who were integral here on Rocco, who would eventually become some of the lead characters uh, and the name, uh, the voice of the name character, SpongeBob SquarePants, with Tom Kenny. Um, it, it's incredible that that crew almost. Just moved on from Rocco into this new life form of Spongebob, which of course would still include some very kind of wink at the audience adult jokes. I mean, that's why those first three seasons are so beloved, because honestly, going through them now, they they share a lot of that Rocco energy. And and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I I implore you, uh, out of out of the three Nicktoons, I would ever tell somebody to go back and watch in their entirety. It's Hey Arnold. It's Rocco's Modern Life. Are those top two? Uh, For that third one, I I, probably Danny Phantom, uh, just because of its of its story that there's a you know beginning, uh, basically kind of a middle in my opinion, and then an end. Obviously, there's three seasons, but I I don't include that just in terms of how the story flows and its big moments there's a beginning a middle and an end uh so that that is that for Rocco's Modern Life uh it's just my my hats off to Joe Murray it's just uh I love this show to death to tears uh, I appreciate it um that it exists I appreciate the jokes that still make me laugh all these years later uh kudos out there to Carlos Rocky for his his Rocco um just one of the the best uh, kindest voices that you can think of when it comes to a cartoon character. like honestly when it comes to just those those really innocent cartoon characters, Rocco's just gotta be up there. Uh, and of course, uh, big shout out to Charlie Adler, voice of Mr. and Mrs. Bighead. Uh, a, a complete storm. Of a voice actor, uh, an impending force. The man makes himself known in the room and he is just always fantastic at, at every role he plays. So uh, if you've just never, th- it's hard to go through all the episodes of Rocco's Modern Life for you to watch uh, because there's so many little jokes and moments that I'd want to kind of geek out with somebody over. But I'll leave you with this. If there was one Single episode for you to watch of Rocco's Modern Life. Look up the episode "Fish and Chumps." Uh, it's one that Steven Hillenburg worked on. It is my favorite episode of Rocco's Modern Life. I've watched it about a hundred times, and its jokes still make me laugh to this day. Uh, and and I will bring up a little little piece of trivia here because uh, I I love this gag so much. And if you're younger than me, you may not get this. Um, but Crappy Jack in the episode. Uh, is voiced by Tom Kenny as well, and from what I heard, uh, a lot of his kind of nautical... Uh, there's this moment where he's just kind of blabbering on and on about uh, stories and whatnot. Uh, apparently, a lot of improv of Tom Kenny there just kind of just going on as as a, as a crazy sea captain, um, and at some point he mentions Davy Jones' locker. And now of course, if you're a Spongebob fan, you already know of Davy Jones. I know who that is. Uh, but... Uh, the the idea of Davy Jones Locker is is a well known nautical uh, uh, story and and tall tale and kind of warning, but there's also a fairly other famous Davy Jones that of Davy Jones of the monkeys. The famous rock group from 1966 to 1971. Um, during this t- diatribe of of nautical nonsense, uh, Cat- Crappy Jack mentions that uh, mentions Davy Jones' locker, and then uh, Mickey Dones' locker, and Peter Torx' locker. All the monkeys had lockers. Apparently. Complete improv on Tom Kenny's part and it's just I don't know it's one of the funniest bits knowing that it's improv. I'm just going to play the audio right after here because I love it so much. Um, Please enjoy it by all means. But yeah apparently this whole next sequence all improv by Tom Kenny and just knowing that it makes me laugh every time and the idea that in the moment Davy Jones locker he would just bring up the he would just start naming the rest of the monkeys. Uh, I have no idea. It's one of those nuanced piece of comedy bits that just make me laugh. Uh, Enjoy it, Uh, but we do have one more show before we head out today. We were taking on so much water that the bilge rats were packing their ditty bags and jumping over the site. I had me right hand on the helm and me left hand on the mainstay. Me left foot on the captain, me other foot working the bilge pump and me eyeballs were stirring the galley stew. That's when I heard a thunderous clap so loud it would have driven any land lubber to his knees in agony. I turned leeward in time to witness the foresail yardarm give way and come crashing down square on me midshipman's hindquarters. He let out a scream that be heard deep. Baby Jones' locker, Mickey Dolan's locker too and Peter Tork's locker. All the monkeys had lockers. I said why you cut swab up the restaurant. And finally 29 years ago on September 12, 1992, we saw the finale of Salute Your Shorts created by Steve Slavkin. Salute Your Shorts ran for 2 seasons of 26 episodes. We actually got uh, got done talking about Salute Your Shorts not too long ago, back in July. Um, it was a fairly popular show. It's one of their early sitcoms. Uh, it was going to run for a third season. At Nickelodeon at the time wanted to move the production, apparently, of Salute Your Shorts, which was, uh, was comfortable in its Los Angeles uh, setting, and they wanted to move it to Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando. Um, but uh, the cast and the crew just were pretty much unwilling to relocate, and uh, honestly, Nickelodeon were looking forward. They had these studios over here in Orlando. Hey, if you don't want to move over here, this is where we're going to be doing stuff from now on, and I think that was kind of their attitude at the time. Um, they, they also I mean according to this Nickelodeon was under pressure at the time to uh, to reduce its budget from Viacom so that MTV could fund production of Beavis and Butthead now if that's true um, and, and by all means with with the way budgets work. Uh, Viacom could have seen, you know, how much money it would have taken to make Beavis and Butthead for MTV. Oh, that's just not in the budget. Let's go over to Nickelodeon. Hey, can you trim some of the fat? We're looking to make Beavis and Butthead. Uh, that's an incredible story and, and no offense to salute your shorts there, but if I had to pick between the two on what had to move forward, I'm, I'm glad it was Beavis and Butthead. Uh, but that's, that's, that's incredible to hear. I've actually never heard that fact. Salute Your Shorts uh, had, it had a decent cast that really felt real. Uh, they, they, felt like they were decent friends with one another. They probably hung out with one another off set, but it, they played off of each other so well on screen. And, and it was one of those shows that you kind of wanted to hop into. I, I kind of wanted to go to camp on as a kid. Uh, I don't know about you, but it, it just seemed like a pretty cool summer camp to be a part of. Uh, now its most famous episode, Zeke the Plumber. Uh, I would not have you watched that outside of the Halloween Season definitely watch that episode Around Halloween uh, Closer to Halloween though I'm going to make sure To get you guys a whole like top 10 uh, Halloween Nickelodeon Episodes that you can watch through Paramount Plus uh, or other streaming services Where you can find them but that would be In like the top 5 episodes that is A classic Halloween Nickelodeon episode uh, The Zeke the Plumber one uh, But that is this week in Nickelodeon History uh, once again my name is Captain Eric I really appreciate you if you were somebody who continually listens to the content I'm putting out if you are one of those people uh, please consider subscribing to my channel click on the bell icon to get notifications anytime I update and if you can let others know of the kind of content I am putting out here it would be greatly appreciated so thank you for listening this week we'll see you next week stay safe out there On the Lord Hot Hero Hot Nick On the Lord Hot Hero Hot Nick Nick On the Rickety Low while living number one Nickelodeon